Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Bad Beats episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about to make the legendary worst deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate investor, tax, legal, asset protection, whatever you need, we got it here at Royal Legal Solutions. And I'm here with uh, Damien. Uh, Damien's the man. He's going to be sharing with us some uh, awesome stories here today, and uh, I'm really uh, stoked to, um, to share with that, guys. <clears throat> it's going to be an action-packed episode here today. So, Damien, um, give us a little bit of background of you know who who you are as Damien. What's your life like before you get into this best deal or worst deal? Before I had any deal, my deal was avoiding polar bears because I grew up in Alaska and I literally worked in the Arctic Circle in the oil fields, washing dishes and taking out the trash. So I had to dodge polar bears when I was working for 10 bucks an hour. So if you want to talk about the worst possible way to make money, go work for 10 bucks an hour dodging polar bears when it's 80 below zero out. Whatever you're doing, <laughs> trust me, it's better than that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, I bet like nobody really hassles you too much uh, in that, that zone. That's probably good job security, yeah, you know, but it's probably pretty rough. It was funny. A lot of people are actually trying to get that job because they think, oh, it's so easy. I just cut up fruit. I'm like, yeah, but most jobs, you don't have a polar bear trying to eat you. So, I mean, it's, it's a little different. I like real estate better than I do that. I mean, just Yeah, but it is manlier. It is manlier if you have to fight for your life during your job. Survival. You know? that, that show that people watch, Survival, whatever, that, that is BS compared to real world Alaska. <laughs> yeah. isn't it only like a few hundred thousand people like total live in alaska i mean maybe i'm totally ignorant of this but it's like way less than you would think i mean it you would think like it, every if you look at population maps there's like tons of everybody that's like living in the united states typically like concentrated around the coastlines as you would think and there's like alaska where there's a couple of people in the south and then like a couple of dots that run up but you know <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it it's wide open i mean if you want to be isolated alaska is the place to go and that's why I left when I was 17. I was like, I can only handle so much. 15 years was enough. It's beautiful. It's fun to visit. But living here is a weird experience. No doubt, man. So what's, uh, what's going on? What's getting you excited uh, with these days? Well, I mean, these days I, I get to teach my experience of, of all the deals I did. When I, when I first started doing real estate, I, I went to a seminar and decided to, to listen and then do what they said. So at 22, it's really great because you don't know what you don't know. And if you're naive enough to just do what they tell you, then all of a sudden you start getting some results and they look like crazy person activity, but it actually works. And that's what I did. I was naive and I went and bought 150 houses. And, and so that was awesome until, so we're going to get into some of the, the best deals and worst deals. And the yeah. problem with that whole experience is I thought it was all me and it had nothing to do with timing. And so within eight years, I took a $20 million portfolio off a cliff and had to hit a reset switch. And that was part of the experience that's really beneficial for people to hear so that they can learn and not do the same thing. It's called OPE, other people's experiences. So yeah. you don't have your own experience. And, and that was, that gave me a lot of, of wisdom and it, uh, it actually took all my hair too. So it's, if you can find bald or gray people that have been in real estate for 20 years, there's a, probably a reason that they're bald and or gray. Uh, and, and so now I, I teach that stuff. I teach really breaking these financial shackles so that you can create that financial freedom without the fear of blowing your knees off. And that's, that's because you just don't know. I mean, what you don't know is, is what scares you. And, and so hopefully 100%. Uh, that'll help you move forward in, in spite of that fear. 
Oh yeah, man. Well, that's a, a whole, learning from other people's experiences. The name of the game, you know. Like one time, I had a uh, I had a boss one time that told me that it was like it was like you know really you know, smart people. The stupid people don't learn from their own mistakes. Smart people will learn from their own mistakes, and geniuses can learn from other people's mistakes. It's like I don't expect you to be a genius, but I do expect you to at least be smart. You know, as you're working here. And I was like, man, that's really good life advice. I always just be like, hey, you know, being reflective about. You know, what, what when I learn, am I repeating an old pattern of something that I did before that actually didn't work for me last time and I'm just reliving out the same kind of decision? That's like your, you know, grandmother's old advice. That's like, oh, well, you know, if you don't learn the lesson, don't worry about it. Life will present you the same opportunity to learn it one more time. Um, and that's like as true as it is in business as it is anything else, you know, whether it's like your girlfriends or, or whatever it's going to be. It seems like that those are just kind of like fundamental ways that, you know, um, things happen to work for whatever reason, you know? I think there's truth to that. And the thing that I would add on to that is that if you don't learn the lesson, the first go around, the second go around is going to be a bigger, more painful lesson. And that's, I think that's why I had to lose $20 million in 2008, because I didn't learn the lessons around my ego and not having values or a foundation. I didn't have the, I wasn't taking in the lessons the universe was giving me. So it kept giving me bigger ones. And finally it said, you're not going to learn until we drop a 747 on your head. And so yeah. that's, and I, I, you learn. I mean, you, it's not like you can just avoid a 747 that's on your head. It basically crushes you. So you you learn. I mean, when you have to start over, that's a, a learning opportunity. And and so when you have the nudge of the universe, it nudges you in both ways when you're on the right track because things feel like they're in flow. And then there's when you're on the wrong track, you get these nudges of their pain and, and things are really, really hard. Not that you have to have the discipline um, and and that that's wrong to be to work hard and push through, but when you are fighting a wall, when you're literally punching into a concrete wall and you think if you just punch enough, it'll be good. No, you're just going to have a bunch of broken hands. You're never going to get through the wall by punching into concrete. So it's, you have to be able to have some discernment around that. And that's where the bald and gray can help. See, you see your blind spots, what you're not seeing. Maybe you need to move three inches to the left and everything is going to be wide open. It could just be that simple. Yeah, no kidding, man. I, um, I'm wondering about that too because – you know, I think one of the one of the traps that can, people can fall into, especially right now when economy and real estate exactly has been strong for so long, um, that they can come into probably to a very similar way of um, feeling and believing um, that you had back before everything came crashing down around you, right? I mean, I would I would assume that that would be the same type of like invincible feeling. I throw money at the wall. It just happens to make money every single time. You know, like this is so easy. You know, that's going on. How, where is the um, you know, where does your, your baldness and grayness come in to be able to, to talk about that and to like, how do you have awareness while things are going really well um, to, to pick apart saying, okay, well, what's actually, you know, where, what am I missing, you know, to, to know when the shoe's going to drop? Uh, this, I mean, you, truly, that's, that's where you have the people around you. So I can see that stuff. And where we're at in the cycle right now is we're very, very late in a bear or in a bull market. And so the, the, the reality is things cycle. And we are going to feel a recession in the next 15 to 18 months, for sure. All the data says, Doug Duncan, the chief economist at Fannie Mae, says this. And he has all the data. If there's the data, God, it's Doug Duncan. So you know, this is where we're going. So the question is, what do you do with that? You're, you're winning, you're making money. And then you say, well, yeah, but I mean, it seems good. Well, great. So keep doing what you're doing and understand that when things cycle, your, your model is probably going to be disrupted. So how do you make sure that it works? Well, just ask yourself, what part of my model needs to be changed to be sustainable in a market that is flat or declining? And, and if you're speculating, that's probably not a model that's going to work. I mean, that's what crushed me. I kept doing things after I made millions in cash 
I, I started doing more of the speculation things because I thought I could do no wrong. And I see a lot of people doing that now. It, I can tell that there's a lot of that going on by the volume of Ferraris and Lamborghinis that are driving in front of my place. And it's, <laughs> it's increasing. And I go, yeah, I remember this 10 years ago. Same yeah. exact thing. So, you know, when you're, when you're looking at your stuff, if you're flipping houses because you watch Chip on HDTV, I know he's cute and everything and everybody's got a crush on him. They're like, oh, yeah, bromance. Let's go do some, some Chip type deals. Well, hey, when that market flattens or rates go up another point, which they will over the next 12 months, how's that going to impact the buyer? And so if you have a rental house and it's in an area that has jobs that aren't going to go away in a recession, uh, probably not going to have much of an impact on you. So ask yourself, and if you don't know the answer, this is where the bald gray comes into play because people can answer those things and help you with your blind spots. You got you to know what's going to happen in the recession and plan for it and then keep going. You don't need to dwell on it. You just need to know what your plan is. Yeah. Have a plan like in place, right? Like you're, you're not going to know, um, you know, you're not going to know what you need to be doing and what you need to anticipate until you start asking yourself that question and having an honest look at it. I, like there's an uh, old saying into that, like too, about like how just simple awareness oftentimes is curative of whatever the problem is, whether it's like a personal problem or a business problem or whatever. Most of the things that happen to us is because we never even thought to ask the question about it. So like jumping through those kind of psychological, you know, exercises and then, you know, you have now you have like 15, 18 months to be able to figure out what is your plan going to be instead of like the shoe dropping and then you're like, okay, cool. Now everybody's panicking all at the same time, all in the same way. You're probably not going to have a lot of opportunity or flexibility at that point to be able to make a decision on what you need to be doing. And I think there's a lot of really smart people that are coming out with some pretty creative strategies on what they're investing in right now, anticipating a recession while still making good money. It's, it's, it's the prepper mentality. I mean, you can sit there and you can create a giant tin can and put your entire life in it and hide in that thing. And you might be hiding the rest of your life. My dad did kind of that thing and he missed out on probably the last 20 years of his life because he was just preparing for the you know, doom and gloom. Well, doom and gloom happened. Nothing really changed in his life. And I think a lot of people are spending too much time. Once you, you're prepped, you just you start moving forward. And if you go, well, I don't know what I would do if this event happens. Play the what if game. And then what? So basically something happens, the market retracts, the market freezes, we have a 9-11, like whatever, and then say, okay, that happens, then what? And then really ask yourself, what would I do then if, if this event happens? And then you, then, then you say, okay, that happens, and then what? You lose all your money, then what? And what happens is you realize you're not gonna be eaten by a wild animal, and you go, okay, well, nobody died, so all right, it's gonna be okay, and then I do this, and then you, and so it helps you get past the mystery of the unknown. And, and if you don't play that game, you really, your, your mind will play tricks on you and it'll keep you frozen and it's, it's out of sheer survival because that it's like why people end up in, in abusive relationships and they stay in there because the, the known abuse is in their mind a better plan than the unknown that may be far worse. So if you, if you play it out, you can actually get past the things that are sticking you in place right now. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true, right? And like um, you get like, I think that the, the key phraseology that you have to use that the words are really important, like saying like, and then what? makes you have to proactively think of a solution that's going to come forward. Like, what are you going to react to given that, like, that scenario? And then most of the time, you know, I played that game with some of my, with some of my friends or some people that I was coaching and they actually were, you know, they'd be silly, right? And be like, oh yeah, and then I probably die or starve to death or like live under a bridge. And you're like, yeah, maybe, right? Like that's, that is, that is inside the realm of possibility. How probable is that? Do you give it like a 1% chance? Because if it's a 1% chance, like you probably shouldn't drive your car anymore because driving is not too dangerous, right? Like you can start coming in and be like, all right, well, we need to get better. How do we assess actual probable risks? And then be like, okay, well, actually most solutions I'm going to be able to find if I just have enough time to be able to look at it, right? Um, 
So it's, it's, it's funny how it works, even though all the way to the extreme, and you can be like, okay, cool. Well, you know, bad things are probably going to happen. And, and here's what I'm going to do if it does. And I can not have to plan for every possible contingency, but just have some, some bigger moves that I can make. Well, and, th- and part of this too is, is to be rational about your risk expectation. And if you say well, this thing has this 1% or 5%, you're probably just making that up. And you're in, I mean, that's literally getting, it's a rectal pole. <laughs> yeah. Probably not something you, that, you, that makes any sense if you were an actual quant mathematician. So one of the things that can help you in that space where you're like, well, I don't know what the percentage likelihood that we're going to have another 9-11 event. Like nobody even had that on their books, but it happened and it was tragic and, and it was a disaster financially. So so what do you do? One of the things is having a rules, black and white rules that are on paper in front of you around what you do. And so like on my rules that are black and white in front of me, they get updated every year. I, I have one of my rules is I don't have more than 5% of my liquidity in any deal. So and I don't have all my deals in one neighborhood. Simply because if something happens, I mean, you know, if there's a toxic spill in a neighborhood and my entire portfolio is in one neighborhood, that one random event could wipe me out. So I'm really careful about things. And I have a rule. And it, it, the funny thing is when I violate my rules, that's when I end up losing money most of the time. It doesn't mean I can't lose money, but I have, you know, that 5%, no more than 5% in a deal. And I do not deal with people, period, that aren't self-responsible, that I can't play dice with over the phone if I was, you know, if I was in a dice. So there, and I don't do bulletproof best neighborhoods. Like there are certain things that I just don't do. If you don't have rules, you're willing, you're likely to, to have a rule called my glands lead the way. And whatever it feels good is what I'm going to do. Well, that's going to get you into trouble. And that's where a lot of people are going to get into trouble because they're, they're smoking so much hopium about the future that just keeps feeding me instead of yeah. saying there might be a winter at some point where I get hungry. So you just, you got to be practical with these things. And right now I don't see a lot of practicality. I see a lot of people that are, that are basically stoned out of their mind based on the, on the, the, the bubble that's happened and all the, the wealth that's been created. Yeah, it seems like it, right? Like, it seems like what's happening right now is the same thing that's happened before you have every major recession, right? Where mm-hmm. it's just people start investing money and saying, hey, well, I'm investing in real estate. And I was like, well, you're, you're driving an Uber right now. Like, not to say that you can't drive an Uber and invest in real estate, but I was like, I was like, what, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, well, I got this extra $2,000. I'm going to put it through a crowdfunding portal. And this looks like it's going to be a good deal. And they're promising like 30% returns. And I was like, do you even know what an operating agreement is <laughs> or like a PPM? I mean, much less like reading it. Like, do you even know like what these terms are? And a lot of times it's like, no, nah, man, but everybody's making money doing it. You know, and it's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe. But uh, I mean, that's not the, that's, that's kind of like the predecessors to where you have people that have like this runaway amount of li- liquidity um, into the market. And then people just start doing all kinds of crazy stuff because they can. Um, and it seems like it's that recipe for, you know, the same things that happened in 2008, right? I mean, have you, given your experience, would you say that's fair? I'd say that's exactly what's happening. I would say that people are looking for a hack because they're, they're feeling there's a sense of envy or jealousy or this, this is so easy. Why am I not doing it? So people are throwing money into the most obscure things and things that have made money. I, I see a lot of apartment investors that have made a lot of money in the last three, four, five years where things have sold and they've made 300, 400% of their money and they think this is awesome. And then somebody else sees that and they go, oh, so easy. I just go find an apartment deal and I put my money in there and I'm going to make 400%. Uh, you know what you should be doing with your money? I'll tell you exactly what investment to, to place. If you're listening to this right now, here's what you should invest in, your education. Go and educate yourself so you know what a PPM is, what, what Scott just said. I mean, this, if you don't know what these things are, if you don't understand sophisticated accredited investors, you don't understand de- depreciation recapture and bonus depreciation and the ta- if you don't understand any of what I just said, 
you better focus on the education because you're going to end up trading places with the experience and your money. Your money's going to go to somebody else and you're going to have an experience. Yeah. And it's always, always, always more expensive to learn by experience. And it's so expensive to learn by experience. Like, I mean, it's amazing how much like even going to like a conference or reading a book can educate you on things that you could easily lose 50 or a hundred thousand dollars doing and just a blink of an eye and be like, Oh, I learned that lesson. That was a rough one, you know, but you didn't have to, you know, if you just weren't lazy, like so I've, and I'm speaking from experience at this point because I've done that before. And I was like, I lost $50,000 on something that I could have just easily have learned on my own and not done it. And I was like, ah, why didn't I just actually put forth the effort to learn that piece of it? And then honestly, it's because I was distracted. I made the excuse of saying, ah, I'm focused on other things. So I think that one's going to be okay. Um, and now that's now one of my rules, right? Of like, what is it that I'm going to do? You know, in these situations, these are rules that I live by that now becomes like a discipline for how to live being Scott, right? Like we can all talk about like what are rules that generally apply to like everybody else, but having your own personal set of rules that you operate on, I think it's super powerful because it gives you like a structure to say like, this is how I need to operate at my best, knowing like what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses um, into that. And some of the most experienced and best investors that I've run into um, here on Real Estate Nerds do a lot of exactly what you're talking about, Damien, where it's like, oh, this is my rules for investing. This is sometimes like people get down, these are my rules for my life. These are my rules for my relationships, you know, and they really come down to it and to getting really clear, putting pen to paper um, on it, which, which I've understood to be, you know, historically speaking from people that talk about habit building, some of the most strongest ways that you can, you know, rebuild, you know, conditioning yourself for, for patterns of behaviors. It, it, it keeps you from being delusional and, and totally psychotic. I think there's a certain level of psychosis that's required to some of these things that we talk about. One of the things that, that you mentioned, you're talking about losing 50,000. Uh, money makes us lazy in general. If we have money, we think, oh, if I throw money, it's just going to, and money should grow, but it also makes us lazy. And if you can ask the question, how can I create value with my mind first and start there? It, it tends to create a lot more value and it tends to be smarter and stronger than just writing a check. Uh, writing a check is easy and that's what a lot of people take advantage of just getting people to write a check because they go oh you're gonna make all this money and guess what it's passive and you don't have to work and people love that mostly because most people don't love what they do and so th- there's a disconnect uh, between reality and, and, and maybe what they think is going to happen so it's it is important for you to be thinking and be an it's, I, I say this all the time that people want passive and they want passive income. And I say, why? And they go, well, because it's awesome. I said, so how's your sex life? Do you do passive sex? Is that awesome? Or do you have active sex? And they go, what do you, well, wait, is it, that's different. I say, it's not because how you do anything is how you do everything. So are you actively engaged in your investing and your relationships? Or is it just you wanting to be passively on the sidelines? Ask yourself that question. What's your commitment level? I think it's a really important thing to start with because passive life is not a happy life. It's literally a life that you just watch go by. Yeah, and that's probably why you see so many people that inherit so much wealth and they're miserable, you know? They're like suicidal, they're like, you know, steep into like alcohol and drugs to like numb out the quote unquote pain. And everybody's like, how could you be so depressed? Like, look at you, like, how could you possibly be? You have everything in front of you. And that's like, yeah, because like anybody that's asking that question fundamentally miss like what makes life worth living, you know, into it, right? Because it's not about, you know, those those types of pieces, you know? And um, we had... um, um, 
and I mean, so much of it turns into how are you going to take your mind and what are you going to apply with it? What are you going to think about with that? And that's actually what a lot of times what I refer to as like the, the sweet pain of being an entrepreneur because it's, you get engagement, but you also get high levels of stress and you get to like decide like, how are you going to deal with that? Because the other life of being like really low engagement with no stress is pretty much unbearable, you know, and, and it's own right, right? Because you're not actively engaged, you're not using your mind, just like you're talking about. And um, it's um but it, it absolutely seems to be the case that the more that you can apply your mind into um, the capital that you're deploying, the bigger the returns are going to be. And we actually talked about that on the very first episode of this show where we started, we had a big discussion with another good friend of mine, Scott Sutherland, and he was talking about it's the best and highest use of the property. And he acquired this piece of property. He was able to overpay like like 12 years ago in Austin, he was able to overpay by like $40,000 over market and still like make an extra 150 K on top of that. And his whole explanation was, it's like, it's about best and highest use, right? Nobody else could see what that property could do besides me because I had a better idea of how to use it than everybody else did. And I was like, ah, oh, that's just something that exists between your ears. That's not anything real you know, and, and the real sense of it. That's 100% just on your experience, what you've read and what you came to the table with. And that's something that doesn't, uh, there's not a hindrance for everybody to be able to go explore that, right? Everybody can just make the decision to say, I'm gonna learn more, engage more, you know, with how I think through stuff and network with more people. Um, so there's no excuses for laziness. <laughs> no, unfortunately, you can get away with it pretty well in the United States, at least. I, I mean, it's sad to see that, but then you wonder why people are, are unhappy and it's it's quite honestly because they don't have the purpose and the purpose comes from actual production. I mean, we're, 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 we're part of the human experience, which is doing things. It's not just sitting there staring into space and playing video games and eating ding dongs. I mean, that, that's not why we're here, but I think yeah. they missed the, the, the deal, you know, that you have to, it's like the whole idea behind retirement. People say, I want to retire and I got this plan. I go, when you retire, there's a reason that most men are dead in three years in the United States after retirement because you're yeah. contributing. And the universe looks at that and goes, if you're not contributing and you're just taking up space and consuming, you're out of here. I mean, truly, if you don't have some type of plan where you're going to contribute and engage, you may as well plan your funeral because your retirement is going to be a death sentence. That's the same thing if you're 20 or 30 or 40. If you're not engaged, you're toast. I mean, you really have to decide something and, and get, on, you know, get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, get engaged like whatever it's going to be, right? Like money is almost never the solution. I mean, in, in modern era, right? I've never heard... I mean, it's exceedingly rare that somebody was like, wow, like the money really solved the problem. And most of the time it's a lot less money than you would think. Like it's somebody that has like nothing and they need a hundred bucks. And it's like, wow, that really solved the problem. It's not like my other friends over here, they're like, oh, well, you know, I really want to hit like an extra hundred thousand in horizontal passive income this year. I'm going to make some more investments for that. And I was like, that will literally make you zero happier, you know, trying to move out of that. Right. And like, there's so much you can create, you know, into that. But I mean, I wanted to jump in and, and just kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive because I was wondering about into like what's going on with you from like the time, you know, pre 2008 and as you're building your portfolio, um, how much of like the things that we're talking about now, which are, I think are um, you're pretty like insightful and, and rich coming from the experience after 2008 versus what was like really true for you before 2008. Cause I have this, this picture in my mind that Damien pre 2008 was like, I'm just killing it. I'm dropping hundred dollar stacks, <laughs> like $10,000 stacks, at the club, just doing whatever I want to, because I'm making so much money. I don't even care. And like all of these other pieces are like post 2008, which is where all the growth happens of like, Ooh, I got bit. And now I got to focus on what's going on and what's deep inside of me because I come from, you know, going through that kind of experience. I mean, yeah. Can you give us some insight into that? 
Yeah, totally. I can tell you that I, if I ran into the guy that I was 10 years ago, I would say, oh my God, and I'd run away. I can tell you that that guy, he was a, a fat freak that was, that was so full of himself and, and his entire mission was more. It was like the, the Wall Street movie with Josh Brolin when he's asked, what's your number when you quit, when you're done, like when you have enough and Brolin says more. And that was me. It was like, you know, ten, uh, my first million was cool. Then it was two million. Then it was five. And then I had to have you know, one Ferrari wasn't enough. And I needed to have a fleet of, of these Italian vehicles. And, and then I'm looking at Bugattis and it's like, it never ends because there was nothing, there was nothing that was fulfilling. It was just success and success is those moments. Whereas when after 2008, I needed the universe to crush that idea out of me so that I went into a space with different questions asking what is true. I spent two years asking that one question, what is true? What is true is that I didn't have values. My value was more. And so I, I asked the question, what, what are my values? And why am I doing what I'm doing? And then it really hit me in 2014 when my dad died. And he, his last question, the last thing I ever remember him saying to me, or not really question, but statement was, you know, there were so many things that I wanted to do in my life. And he knew he only had weeks to, to go. And I, I, it's, I got regret. And it wasn't because he didn't have stuff. My dad was the king of stuff. He had more stuff than the next 10 people you know that have the most stuff. Like he was a stuff freak. But he didn't have the, the experience of living terms in the end with regret. So my question to myself at that point was, what do I need to do? Who do I need to become? And I realized I'm already the guy. I just step into it. Meaning I need to go do something that has massive contribution. Focus on that because the contribution leads to connection and the connection is part of the, the experience and the people that are ultimately going to take care of all the cash and the, and the resources. So I needed to focus on that. It became very clear. And then I said, okay, what do I need to do first? I need to cut all of the other noise out, all of the other things. Because saying no is what I wasn't good at. I said yes to everything. I mean, everything before. And now I say yes to almost nothing. I say no to almost everything. That's a huge shift. I know who I am. I know what my values are. I know what my singular purpose is. I've read Gary Keller's The One Thing 10 times. And like I live that stuff. And I'm really clear whether it's what I'm doing professionally or even who I'm around. I'm very clear on who gets to get close and who has to stay away because of the influence of people. None of that stuff was there in place in my 20s. It was all about anybody and everybody that can help me have more. So that's the big shift between then and now. And I don't know that I could have had another person's experience tell me that. Part of me had to go through that. I think we all have to have experiences. We can't just read books or have somebody tell us. We actually have to have experiences. But the truth is we can have different experiences. We don't have to have the same experience as everybody else. We can learn and have our own mistakes to share with others too. So that's, that's where I am now. It's, it's focused on the contribution and connection, not just on me eating more king crab and drinking expensive wine. Yeah, I mean, I mean that what you're describing too, like in a lot of ways, right? Is like how do how do you actually build like the fundamental like architecture, right? Of like how do we build like our soul, so to speak? I think that's the way like Romans and Greeks used to always talk about it, right? You had like the logos, the eros, and the thymos, and that's what I was always confused about. Like you had the logos, the logic, you had eros, which is your passions, and they had this other piece that's called thymos, and that was all about like like the closest word we have for it is like spirit, right? And like over time, it took me a long time to understand because I really hate the term spiritual because it makes me like have all these bad connotations with like people that are gonna like rub crystals on their earlobes and cure cancer or something like that, right? And so it's like, yeah, I just don't resonate really with like that word in particular, but like it's building up those like internal building blocks. Um, sometimes it seems like you have to go through some pretty like rough experiences to kind of like hit it and then be like, all right, this is actually all I can do right now because this is all I got is really kind of like everything else has died out. 
And so that's all I'm left with is myself now with nothing else to really distract me from being able to, um, to go with it. And like, hopefully that's when you like have a, a chance to rebuild. But um, I think you're right though, that it doesn't take people having to have the horrible experience to decide that they want to build those pieces. But oftentimes it seems like that's what happens because life is like too easy. You know, it's like you can get by without ever having to do the really deep, hard internal work. Right. I think that's what most people end up doing is they, they just, they get by and it's, they can. And so they don't do the deep work that, I mean, the work that you do on yourself, the personal development work, that's been the hardest work that I've ever done. And I, I see very few people doing it. The ones that do it, I have a lot of respect for people that make a lot of money that don't do the personal development work. I don't have a whole lot of respect for, I I look at them in their, their shiny, fast bullet cars or whatever it is, their big houses. And I, and they're just, they're like shallow, hollow, just uh, shells of a human being. And I, it, it's because they haven't done the work. You can tell when somebody's done the work. If you want to know what to do, go do the work. Do the work on yourself. And it's, it's not just about another tool for real estate. It's really a retooling of your, of your soul. I mean, figure that out. Get clear on that. Uh, there, it makes me think about the blank slate principle that we really should do with our lives on a regular basis, at least now if you've never done it, where you get naked. You take everything out of your life. Include, like If you were to go into your house, this happened because I moved a lot. I was in the living room and I said, do I want to bring the stuff that I already have in here? If I didn't have anything, it's like the whole, if you burn your house down thing, but because I was moving, I didn't have a house fire. I just asked the question, what would I actually put in here if I had nothing? Like, what would I go get? And it was like nothing that I had in my U-Haul. So most of that stuff went to the, went to Goodwill and I just started over and I got things that were, that made sense for me. And then I, I got a little hardcore about that. And I said, well, what about people? If I had nobody in my life, who would I go who would I want to connect with? Who would I want to entangle with? And I realized some of the people that were a part of my past were not people that I wanted in my future. And so I had to make some tough decisions. But the funny thing is it freed me up from those, the, the albatross, like the noose around my neck with some of these people. And quite honestly, I was probably that noose to some of these people as well. So just getting naked with your, your, your world and being honest about what serves you and how you're going to serve the world better going forward, I think is a really valuable thing to start with for, for everybody listening. Yeah, I think so, Damien. It's, um, and, and just to underscore that point, like that is the, at least that's why the way I understand it, what we're talking about here is like saying that is the work. The work is actually having those like deep introspective questions. And that's where like you have like leaders or people that are older than you that are more experienced that have like walked through that path before that you associate with and you talk to, just like you do with people that are mentoring somebody, say like in real estate, right? It's like you always try to find somebody else that's walked a mile in those shoes first to help, you know, while you're on the journey. So you can, you know, you don't make the, you don't get caught in the same places, you know, because sometimes people can get caught, you know, in whatever journey they're going down, whether it's real estate or personal development. But I've seen like time and time again, where it's like uh, with more and more groups and in the, in the more popularity, the more people I get to um, be able to associate with um, that are at higher and higher levels of the game is that like wealth, wealth creation and happiness almost always correlates with people that have strong internal development. You can have wealth and you cannot be happy and not have any internal development. But really, if you want both, you almost have to have both of them together at some degree, because otherwise what happens is the money seems to just fuel all of the negativity, all the things that are bad for them. And it just becomes a catalyst of more energy that gets put behind a bad system. It's a bad operating system that they're operating under. Just like a bad company, if you have bad systems in place with your company, you dump a bunch more cash into it, all you've done is cause a lot more chaos. You haven't actually improved anything. I think that's, that's brilliant. There's a mic dropper right there. <laughs> 
awesome dude well this is i just you know it's just something that i was thinking about you listening to you you know i think that's probably like what i my lesson learned from the day is is you know just about how like much that relates to listening to your life um and um you know what what can i see working in my business and what i see other people that i talk to every day working in their business so thanks so much for for sharing the story of the day for as a as a takeaway message that you'd like to leave the readers with um what would you be if you had to you know give them a, a quick piece well, like the way we started when I was talking about getting eaten by a polar bear, I mean, I think these, the idea of making mistakes is so baked into us where we, we grow up and, and we're told if you make a mistake, you're a loser. And, we, and people go, wait, what do you mean? Well, we, most people have been to school where they tell you if you get 50% wrong, you're a failure and they kick you out. And the reality is if you make 50% wrong, which means you made 50% right, in the real world, you're a gazillionaire. And that's only if you go out there and you're willing to have half of your stuff wrong. So what I, would, what I would leave people with is if you want to feel successful, meaning you have fulfillment in your life, fail faster, more frequently. And, it's, it, and, and make sure you understand and have somebody reinforce this to you because we get lost in our own heads thinking that we are the failure. The truth is it's a failing event. It's a verb. It's a learning. That's how you grow. There, you can't read a book and grow the way that you can grow by going out there and tripping and stubbing your toe and bleeding. I mean, my experience is that I've bled in the mud for years. And so I have that. And guess what? I didn't die. I mean, it felt like I was dying sometimes, but you know what? We're, we're resilient as human beings. We have the ability to adapt to, I mean, think about the, like the Holocaust and these crazy things that people have gone through. We haven't really gone through hardly anything in the last 20 years. I mean, it's been pretty light if, if we're really honest, but people are able to get through unbelievably painful things. And so when you complain and you bitch and whine and moan about how hard things are, there's a lesson in there for you to get. And until you say, okay, what's, how am I going to be grateful about this thing? It means how am I going to learn from this thing? Until you get there, you're stuck forever. So what's the lesson in your pain right now? And then grab it, run, find the next one. And that's how you're going to grow into the, into the life and, and into the being that you really envision for yourself. Yeah, beautiful, Damien. And if anybody wants to, to connect with you, who are you looking to connect with? And what's the best way for them to reach out to you? I, the people that I want to have reach out to me are the people that are self-responsible, that are growth-minded, that are they, they can relate to what I've done, and they, they may be just stuck on something. Maybe I can give them a little bit of, of insight. Maybe I can shake them loose out of the, the shackles that they've put on themselves. And so what, what I love is when people reach out, like they show up on LinkedIn, and they actually send me a message, and they say, hey, here's, here's what's going on. Do not send me a 14-page you know, like, here's my situation. Like, I don't need to know all the details, but I love when people say, here's what's going on. And, and I'll help you. I mean, I, I, that's what I love doing. I love seeing people that are willing to do the work. And if you're willing to do the work, you can look to me for some help and I'll help support you and, and help you figure out how to fish. Because that's the best thing is seeing somebody that goes off and they can, they've got the strength and confidence to, to move forward on their own. That's, that's what I want to see. If you want to reach out to me and you've got that type of energy, please find me. Find me on LinkedIn or go to DamianLupo.com and you know, get, get more of, of what I'm talking about and, and let me know how I can help you. That's awesome, Damien. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show today. Uh, great, great show. And, um, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Of course, I'm Scott Royal-Smith. I'm the owner here at Royal Legal Solutions, the one-stop shop for everything uh, real estate investor, tax, legal, and asset protection. This is the Real Estate Nerds Podcast, and we're signing off for the day. Until next time, guys, take care. That's all for this Bad Beats episode. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith, with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Did you see yourself in any part of that story? I know I did. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in the sleeping masses of what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. 
do your good deed for the day. Thanks, and I'll see you again soon.